everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different. This is season two, episode 12. Wow. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Pierre. We appreciate all the support. And to be honest, you said episode 12. That's like one away from 13. <laughs> that's supposed to be like a bad luck number, so I'm getting nervous. It's not bad luck. It's all good luck around here and good vibes and energy. Facts. And we really do appreciate you guys tuning in every episode and we just want you to continue the support it means a lot to us so let's, let's get into it yeah let's get into it um so this past week was comey's hearing it was like the thing to do apparently i was really fascinated and also like really really wanted to watch it like i got up in the morning i was like let me turn this on because i really need to see it and on my way to work i was trying to watch it on a train and trying to get some service and pick up bits and pieces of it. Um, I feel like that's what everyone was doing. Yeah, to be honest, the the best part about it for me was the memes on Twitter. They were literally going in. I was dying. Just the one with Michael Jackson eating the popcorn. <laughs> and the crap and the tips. Yeah. And I seen one where it was a bunch of just guys running off of a cliff, and it was like Trump's lawyers getting ready I for the Kobe hearing. So, yeah. The, meme, the memes were definitely funny. Yeah, um, the hearing was definitely a hot topic in the media. Um, there were some highlights from it. It was about, like, I want to say about five hours long or so. Yeah, about that. About that. Um, so, in any event, these are some of the highlights. One of them was a common thread in the hearing was Trump admins lied on Comey and on the FBI. Comey did state during one of the statements um, during the hearing that the administration then chose to defame me and, more importantly, the FBI by saying that the organization was a disarray, that it was poorly led, that the workforce had lost confidence in its leader. They, um, those were lies, plain and simple. That was kind of a common thread throughout the hearing when he basically discussed how the Trump administration kind of in a sense, categorize the FBI as being liars and them not being, like, having integrity or anything of that sort. And I just thought it was interesting that he kind of started off in the hearing in terms of his main statement, making that, like, a pivotal, like, point of his statement. Like, you lied on me. It wasn't a truth and you tried to fame my character. So I thought that was kind of... I, I already knew that coming into it, but the fact that he was honest and willing to have that conversation and put that out there, and especially how he's so prideful of the FBI, which I really liked throughout the hearing about, like, he didn't have the opportunity to say goodbye to them, and he really wanted yeah. that. That was kind of sweet, um, because the way he was so abruptly fired, he didn't yeah. have time to tell people goodbye. Um, so to kind of speak on the Trump administration and how they're liars, I thought that was really important. Also, one of my favorite parts of it was when he stated that um, documenting the conversations with Trump he felt the need that he had to document the conversations because he didn't really trust Trump. Um, but what I find to be quite interesting was that former presidents like President Barack Obama and Bush, he met with them a couple times and he did not document their conversations. But he felt with Trump and the way that he carries on and act, he felt the need to document the conversation, especially coming down the road where something was to happen, i.e. this hearing <laughs> or this investigation more so and him being fired he'll have proper evidence as to what happened and what came into play. And what he was, what he stated was, I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting. And so I thought it really important to document it. 
And I thought I was really good of him to do that because, like, it really helped him in terms of where he's at now with the mm-hmm. hearing and him having credibility throughout this whole process. And I just want to know from you, Pierre, what did you think when he mentioned not documenting the former presidents like Barack and Bush? Um, <clears throat> when I heard that, honestly, I wasn't surprised. Like, Barack, I feel like he was a pretty popular president. That, that could be bias coming from me, but, and I felt like, Bush didn't seem shady. He just seemed dumb. And so, in my state of the my state of the union, our state, my speech to the nation, whatever you want to call it, speech to the nation. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. And America needs a military where our breasts and brightest are proud to serve and proud to stay. <laughs> but. Yeah, Trump is Trump. He's a reality TV star, basically. I'm, like, I'm still laughing. Yeah, <laughs> he's so disrespectful. Go ahead, honey. You, know, he, <laughs> you, could, you could literally YouTube President Bush and get the funniest clips ever. No, like, I know. This is very true. <laughs> it wasn't funny when he was president, but now we can laugh at it. I was <laughs> laughing during the presidency, too. Not me, honey. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I definitely understood... I understood that why Comey felt the need to document his conversations with Trump, especially just watching how he went about the entire campaign process, just constantly flip-flopping alternative facts. Like, at the end of the day... Constantly contradicting himself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, you, he knew what he was dealing with beforehand, and he just... Sometimes, like, you just get that gut feeling, and I'm sure that's what he had. He had that gut feeling that something told him let me just make sure I'm taking all this stuff down because you never know what's going to happen. CYA. Yeah, CYA. For those who don't know, CYA, cover your ass. <laughs> he did a great job at that. But I'm just going to say this. I, I felt like coming up to the hearing, it was supposed to be like that superhero blockbuster movie of the summer. And then when I went to see it, I gave it like a 35 on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> We're going to get more into that towards the end. Yeah, so so another highlight from the hearing was Comey was confused as to why he was fired, which I think is pretty crazy that someone in such a prestigious position as the FBI director and who signed on for a 10-year term can be fired so abruptly and not really understand why he was fired. And even though the Trump administration essentially said it was due due to the handling of the Hillary investigation, call me and pretty much nobody was buying that. (laughs) And yeah, so he was confused as to why he was fired. Um, Going forward, sorry, moving on. Comey's investigation also didn't determine whether Trump committed obstruction of justice. And I just want to call bullshit here because... That part had me a little like, wait, what? That, that's I'm li- confused. That was the literal now reason. Now I'm confused because yeah. I was like, wait, what? It, it's basically like a movie trailer where you see something in the trailer, but then you go see the movie and that scene's not even there. <laughs> and that's, that's the main reason why yeah, you went to go see the movie was literally. because of that scene. And that's, I was really expecting Comey to definitively say that 
Trump was obstructing justice, but he definitely did not. He actually said, I don't think it's for me to say whether the conversation I had with the president was an effort to obstruct. I took it as a very disturbing thing, very concerning, but that's a conclusion I'm sure the special counsel will work towards to try and understand what the intention was there and whether that's an offense. So Comey perceived Trump's I hope you let Flynn go comment as inappropriate. However, he never explicitly stated it was an obstruction of justice. And just watching and listening to the hearing, it seemed like he was on the fence about this issue. But to me, I, I, I try to put myself in other people's shoes and try to figure out where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he's, he basically kind of said, I gave enough evidence and enough information for the special counsel to call obstruction of justice. But I'm trying to protect myself and maybe any potential future job opportunities or whatever the case may be. That's the only thing that makes sense to me as to why he wouldn't have just said this mofo is really. He basically <laughs> told me, don't let my boy go. He's good. And I don't know. It just it, it seems crazy. So that's the only logical sense that I was able to put to it. That Comey's kind of just trying to protect himself in the future. Because I feel like sometimes when you get fired from a job, if you're out there just bad-mouthing your employer, some employers may not want to hire you because if you ever left them, you may go out in the industry and talk negatively about them as well. So that's kind of what I thought of when I when I saw that he wasn't willing to blatantly say Trump was obstructing justice. So where, what did you, what were your thoughts on that, Key? I mean, I don't know. I think this whole, that part when it came to the hearing, I was expecting more. I was like, okay, this is going to be like the fireworks, but it clearly was not. Um, I was kind of confused as to why he was on the fence about it. It was just like, it seemed like it was like, Perception versus reality. I perceived what he said. I hope to let Flynn go as like a like a direction or something of what I should do in regards to the investigation. However, now I don't really see it as an um an obstruction of justice, and I'm just kind of like, wait, what? Like to me, it's like when it first came. When I guess my thing is when it first came on the scene that Trump has said, I hope you let Flynn go. It came off as if it was something that he had to do. Like, I don't know if it was the media around it or maybe how it was kind of just going throughout. Fake news, crooked media. Basically. <laughs> so I think at some point it's like, did he do that? Was a direction given to you to let Flynn go or did you perceive it as such even though he didn't mean it in that way? Did you take it differently and you kind of ran with it because it sounded good or now it's just sinking into you that, oh, clearly he wasn't telling me that I should be doing this. It was a casual conversation. But then it's like, how? that's a real casual conversation to be having with somebody, especially in terms of an investigation where you're not supposed to be having those kind of conversations with the FBI to begin with or the FBI director to begin with. So to me, I just felt like he was backpedaling here. It was like, all right, I'm not going to say what I thought it was, but I thought it was a direction. Yeah. But I could, be, I could understand how it wasn't. It was like, okay, it is, but it's not. And I think that was my issue with it is a matter of it being so um here 
Were you sold on his stance with this matter? Do you think he was walking on eggshells when it came to this question? Um, I call bullshit. He definitely, he definitely was. I think any sensible person would look at this and call it obstruction of justice. But at the end of the day, for whatever his reasons were, I'm sure he has good reason because he's a smart guy. He didn't become an FBI director not knowing how to navigate. And he's an attorney. So right, yeah. exactly. So for whatever his reasons are, he didn't call it obstruction, and he's leaving that up to the special counsel. And yeah, but... B.S. <laughs> yeah, I didn't believe it either. I was like, are you serious? But to each their own, and I guess in some aspects, he is continuing on this track and covering his ass because whether he want to put um, Trump on blast fully, he's definitely trying to cover his ass down the road so that, you know, like you said, if he goes on to another employer, he's not going to be affected in some aspects. Yeah. But also another um, highlight was um, Comey's reaction to Trump's Twitter fingers. So as we mentioned in our previous episode, um, Trump did tweet, I hope that um, James Comey better hope there are no tapes of our conversation before he starts leaking to the press. So as a result, Trump's Twitter fingers, um, Comey provided the content of the memos to a friend. I think during the hearing, he stated his friend was from a professor at Columbia University and his friend um, disseminated the information to the media. That's what I call a checkmate because it's like, oh, you want to get fancy? Now I'm going now I'm to react to what you did. Yeah. And um, because of him, Trump tweeting that two o'clock in the morning, Comey reacted accordingly. And as a result, another key point that was noticed in this hearing too was that Comey did real. his agenda was to have a special, um, a special counsel in, in terms of investigation and that ended up happening. So, um, Comey's goal, um, and it actually ended up working out. So Deputy, um, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein <clears throat> appointed Robert Mueller as a special counsel a week after Trump's administration pinned Comey's firing. So um, it's funny how everything kind of played out. And in some aspects, Comey got what he wanted in terms of him having a special counsel. Do you think his response was petty or appropriate due to the circumstances? I think it was definitely appropriate. Like. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta just like when you have when you're going against a bully, if you back down, they're just gonna keep on going. So you gotta step up and swing back. And I feel like that's what he did and it's my boy for that. <laughs> for that. Yeah. But everything else is a problem. Right. Okay. So like every good drama, this hearing had its cliffhangers as well. During the hearing, Jeff Sessions had undisclosed meetings with Sergei, Sergei Kasliak, the Russian ambassador to the United States. And Comey had privileged knowledge of what happened during that meeting, but essentially said he couldn't disclose that because it was a public hearing. So they'd have to discuss it in a private session. And he let us know that that was the reason that Sessions went ahead and recused himself from the probe at the beginning of March. And I think that's a big deal because... Hell yeah. One, <clears throat> not even knowing, like, what was going on during the meeting. <clears throat> you were right over there? Sorry about that. I feel like my allergies are acting up a little bit. Oh, that's what they're calling now. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so we didn't know what was going on during that meetings, which I'm sure everyone 
in the public is pretty curious about. But in addition to that, when Jeff Sessions recused himself from the probe, it kind of put a little strain on his relationship with Donald Trump as well. Because mm-hmm. basically, his go-to guy basically said, I'm out, I'm not going to handle this, whatever happens, happens. And Deuces. And, now, and that, that opened up the door for the, the special prosecutor, Robert Mueller, to, to enter the fray. So that's a, that was a big part of this whole investigation. I'm very curious to see if that information ever does come out to see what Sessions and Kesliak were discussing. Yeah, I really want to know, too. Like, And that's the part that bothered me throughout the hearing was <clears throat> when he was like, he'll say stuff like that and be like, oh, I can't speak about it because we have an open hearing. I'm like, can you please tell us? Because a lot of people out here is watching with some popcorn, some Russian vodka. Yeah. <laughs> people started opening bars early just for this hearing. So I'm going to need you to give us a little bit more. But, um, yeah, that part. I want my money back. <laughs> all of it. That part really got to me because I was like, what was the discussion like? And for me, it's like I would have loved to be on a fly on that wall just to know what the conversation was like and why he had to recuse himself. So I found it to be very interesting. Also, another highlight of the hearing, which I kind of enjoyed, was when he was asked, Comey was asked, um, if Russians had any involvement in 2016. Um, Comey declared that he had no, there was no doubt that the Russians attempted to interfere in 2016 election. He didn't have any doubt that the Russian government was behind the, the intrusions in the DCCC systems and the subsequent leaks of that information. He also had no doubt that the Russian government was behind the cyber intrusion in the state voter files. Um, I thought that was interesting because we there was a lot of conversation about the Russians having involvement in the 2016 election, but to actually hear it. You know, saying that he has no doubt that they had involvement. And he was like, each time those questions was asked, he was going back like back and forth, no, no, no. He had no doubt that they had involvement. And I think that's important. And it's obvious that he has the proper resources and information to basically um, prove that that is in fact true. He kind of spoke about it throughout the hearing. Um, I thought that was kind of crazy. And not crazy, but scary because... Granted, we spoke about it last episode, like, yeah, the Russians are probably involved in the elections, whatever. But the, the fact that there are things to actually show that it could be proven is like, wow. Like, you know, it makes us really question, like, what is going on on our home base that we don't have no control over that? And like I said to you in the past episode, like, with people hearing that, the public actually hearing that, and, you know, I'm sure as they go throughout this investigation, more stuff is going to come out. It's this, are you going to be willing and enthusiastic to want to continue to vote knowing that this could happen? And like you said, you know, I said the same thing. I thought, I'm still looking forward to voting no matter what. But it just goes to show that we really don't have control, as much control as we thought we did. And, you know, we pride ourselves on being Americans. We pride ourselves on being number one in the world. We're not even number one, but we pride ourselves on that. But when these things happen, it's like, how do we go about combating that? And, like, making sure this doesn't happen in the near future. Because if it was so easy for them to get into the systems and for them to manipulate, you know, the votes and stuff of that sort within the election, Lord knows what else they can do and how much control they could do, how much control they can have in whatever um, they plan on doing next. And the fact that they have so much confidence and pride to take it up and not to be like, okay, we're going to interfere in your election. This is how we're going to go about doing it. And the fact that the FBI caught it and now it becomes this kind of situation and to me, with the hearing, overall, with the hearing happening and 
Trump Twitter fingers at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Lord knows what time he's been tweeting. And this whole situation, I just feel like it takes away from the core, the core of us thoroughly following on this investigation and making sure that whoever was involved in hacking our elections or votes or anything of that sort, they are fully, like, prosecuted. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, with all the hype of the hearing, like, I was actually looking forward to it. I, was, I really enjoyed watching it. Granted, it didn't give me all that I wanted, but it gave me a little bit more than what I had intended for it to do, is that I feel like we're losing, we're losing focus of the real issue. Trump is already president, unfortunately. <laughs> we just got to deal with it. But the fact that the Russians played a part in that happening, we need to attack this full on and stop making it about things that is not really important. Now that the hearing is over, I just want to know what the next step is going to be and how they're going to tackle this. Yeah. What about you? I think I definitely agree. The same thing I was saying earlier about the bully comment. Russia seems like they're just a big bully. And how is the United States going to essentially retaliate or let them know that they can't do stuff like this without any repercussions. And to be honest, I don't even know if we're going to do anything about it because that could be Donald Trump's people's and he's yeah, like... You know what time that is. Exactly. So, yeah, it's definitely a scary thing Like now that it's been confirmed by the former FBI director that they did hack our election and their intrusion essentially affected the results mm -hmm. so yeah that that sucks but at the end of the day like i said i still think we have to be vigilant go out and vote because by not doing anything we're essentially just leaving our future into the hands of other people so yeah we see how that going already facts <laughs> facts huh. but yeah the hearing was definitely in my opinion a little overhyped especially because comey didn't he didn't say what I wanted to hear. Trump obstructed justice. The glove fits. <laughs> you a la, a la OJ. You like that's, that's literally what I was waiting for. That's but what you're yeah, <laughs> OJ stands up in the trial. Like it was Trump. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was alright. I definitely felt that way. Um, but I, I liked it. You know. Really, I really wanted to see it, and I did, but it just didn't give me what I wanted, and I felt like it was just extended. I was like, this could have been done in, like, a couple hours. I felt like some of the questions was very redundant. Yeah. And some of them senators just wanted to hear themselves speak. I was yeah. just like, all right, can yeah. we, like, can we just get to the question? Because you're making a whole statement, like yeah. a whole thesis I, I before actually, we got to the question. I actually love that part of it. I love, like, they basically were, like, breaking it down. I kind of like the way they, they did that. I mean, I understand it to some context of breaking it down, but it's like, or it can't be broken down any further. Like, it's it's like either you've been paying attention this whole time or you haven't. Like, and I just felt like some of them, it was like their five minutes of fame, so they want to be fancy with it. It just, a question shouldn't be that wrong. Yeah. Like, it was like, come on. And at some points, I was like, is this a question? Is it a statement? Like, what are you doing? What are you, <laughs> like, is he supposed to answer it? He's supposed right. to nod his head? Yeah. Like, I was like confused, and I was, I was confused. Yeah. Like, that was one of the biggest things. But, um, yeah, it was definitely overhyped. But I'm happy that it, it happened and now we moved on from it. My holy thing is, what's the next step and how are we going to actually handle it accordingly moving yeah. forward? Well, we'll, we'll see. To be continued. So, moving on to the next topic. So, Sean King, one of the Black Lives Matter leaders, wrote an article in the Daily News essentially saying he's going to boycott the NFL this season. So, in my personal opinion... 
at the end of the day, the NFL is a private organization with teams that are privately owned. And with that being said, they can hire who they want, and we really don't have any say in that. But because this Colin Kaepernick saga is still continuing, and Kaepernick has not been picked up by any teams yet, King says he's going to be boycotting all things NFL this season. Um, Kaepernick receives a lot of backlash from owners, fans, and the media for kneeling during the national anthem last season. And I think it sucks that so many people got upset about this, about him taking a knee, because all he was doing was making a statement against systemic racism and police brutality. He didn't do anything illegal, but the backlash and the venom he got was so real and widespread. And people are still talking about it and they're still bothered by it, which is odd. Yeah, and John Mara, the owner of the New York Giants, actually told the MMQB.com, All my years being in the league, I never received more emotional mail from people than I did about that issue. If any of your players ever do that, we are never coming to another Giants game. It was one of those, it wasn't one or two letters, it was a lot. It was an emotional, emotional issue for a lot of people, more so than any other issue I've ran into. And I think I think that's a big statement coming from an uh, owner, because I kind of think it essentially shows that in terms of the owners, it doesn't seem like, at the end of the day, whether they agree with what... Kaepernick did like whether they agreed on his stance and how he went about it mm-hmm. with own with like the fans who are the bread and butter who purchased the products who are lining their pockets the fans were letting him know like listen we're not supporting this team if you have this player or someone doing anything like that on his team with that being said it's like they're protecting their pockets and that's what's most important that bottom line so I mean, I don't know about that whole bottom line stuff because to me, then if that's the case, it kind of goes back to that whole ideology that black athletes are slaves in modern day society. Because think about it, you know, you don't, you not like to take it up a notch. I like to get a little fancy with it, but you know, that's just me. But like, you, you want to talk about the bottom line and finances? Like at the end of the day, when Kaepernick was on this whole nailing and everything of that sort, his jerseys was being sold out. So if you want to talk about money being made and money putting in, like people was actually supporting him. There are people going to the games too to support him because of what he was doing. Uh, and my thing is when you say a lot of letters, okay, it's not one, it's not two. How much are we saying a lot? Are we saying a whole stadium? Is that how much letters we saying you got from people? And my thing is, all right, you got a couple letters from people. I guarantee you if, if he was in fact to be on that team and he was to win him a championship, those same people who were running their mouth talking about, oh, I can't watch this, I cannot support you, would be the same one running to the Giants parade like, oh, we won, yes. So to me, I don't really believe it. I just feel like people are just talking and they're just trying to make them scared. And so I don't really go along with that notion. And I think it's really unfortunate that he's not being picked up because of this reason. He, like there's other athletes that have done heinous acts, which Sean King has talked about in his article, and I will definitely urge everyone to go read it because it's a good read. He went in all the way, and it was wonderful. But um, there are other um, athletes who've done heinous acts, and they're still playing football. So I don't understand how the one thing he did, which was to represent a demographic of people who've always felt depressed and silenced, is like, oh, no, we can't have you on our team. And it's not like he's a bad player. He's actually a good player. So to me... 
I think I, I really have to go along with Sean when he um, was saying it throughout his article, which I thought was a very valid point. And it was, you know, he really put it out there. He was like, it's racism, it's bigotry, it's discrimination, period. It's not football. And I respect him on that. And I repeat it again. It's racism, it's bigotry, it's discrimination, period. It's not football. That's not football. You won't get scared by a couple of letters you receive and you be like, oh, no, I can understand now because, oh, I received this immense amount of letters. These people are not going to support. This is not football. So to me, I really commend him on being in football. I don't watch it anyway. I was going to watch it for Cap um, Colin Kaepernick, but since he won't be playing because <laughs> he's not picked up, unfortunately, but I will we, not. We don't know. He, he still could potentially get picked up. You never know what's going to happen. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. But there's always hope. There's always hope. Yeah. Okay. We could go with that for now. Um, hopefully, he does get picked up. But in the interim, if he's not, I'm, I agree with Sean King. I'll be man of football, too. Like, I'm not going to support that. And it goes, to me, it ties it back to athletes being controlled by the owners. And, you know, it's like they don't have a say in terms of what they could do, especially when they're talking about freedom and liberty and rights for all. Like, to me, that's very problematic. But... Yeah, now continue what you were saying. So, yeah, after reading the article, I can see and understand where King is coming from by boycotting the league. One, he's a friend of Kaepernick. He's a Black Lives Matter leader, and he's also a football yeah. fan. Uh, he referenced the fact that Austin Davis was signed by the Seattle Seahawks as their backup quarterback, even though Kaepernick is clearly a better player. But I always go back to the idea if he was like a, a mega standout star like a Tom Brady, he would be picked up. But owners don't think the backlash that they they may get from their fans will be worth signing him. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to sports, winning always, winning will always what? just outweigh everything. So if you have someone who can literally take your team from zero to championship, zero they, to hundred, yeah, they literally could do. They could be a terrible person, but people will support winning. But then I, you know what I question that since you're on the topic of Tom Brady, I, if he had did what Kaepernick did, mm -hmm. and he was kneeling, and his reasons were similar to him about you know police brutality and all of these things pertaining to black people, he felt the need that he wanted to be a supporter of that. Yeah, you think someone wouldn't have picked him up? Like, he wouldn't have picked up. Yeah, because right. he's a champion. He's a winner. He has multiple rings, five rings right now. Like. That's what I'm saying. At the end of the day, because he is a winner and because he has that championship in his blood, like that fierce competitor. But then Kaepernick bring his, his team to the championship? But they didn't win. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And that and I listen, mm -hmm. I don't agree with it. If I was an owner, I personally would love to have him on the team because when I think of Kaepernick, I think of man of conviction. He's courageous for doing what he did. And I want players who have that type of character to play for me. But unfortunately, I'm not an owner. And I can't, I can't determine how they run their business. And yeah, it sucks. That's, this is how it is. But again, I'm hoping, I'm staying positive. Hopefully, something will happen and... Someone will pick him up, but again, I, I don't, it's not looking good. But what really stood out for me about this article is the fact that ESPN has rehired Hank William Jr. to sing the Monday Night Football song. In 2011, Williams was fired 
after comparing Barack Obama to Adolf Hitler, as he said the then-president playing golf with the House Speaker John Boner was like Hitler playing golf with the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin, and I'm, I'm probably going to mess this up. Sorry about that. Natayahu. So, you try. Yes. You get an E for effort. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's crazy that he's back, and it, I think it's ironic he's back now that Trump is in office, but when Barack was in office, he's out. What do you think about that, Key? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, Trump being president has encouraged and in some aspects encouraged hate crimes throughout the U.S., um, and it has encouraged people like him to be rehired, I suppose, and to make, like, racist remarks and stuff like that. So I'm not surprised because look at the man we have as president. All the things he said throughout the campaign, and he still won, surprisingly. Um, which is like... That's a Teflon it's dog. Like, like, still won. I, I'm, I'm still in shock. He, like, should, he should change his Twitter name to Teflon Don. Nothing could stick on him. Yeah, that no, man is untouchable. But, you know, so to me, it's not a surprise that he was rehired. And honestly, in conjunction with Kaepernick not being picked up, that's not a surprise to me either. Yeah. This is where we at as a country in 2017. So just to kind of piggyback off what you said in terms of that kind of Trump effect, in the immediate aftermath after the election, a wave of hate crimes and lesser hate incidents swept the country According to the Southern Poverty Law Center, 1,900 bias incidents occurred in the first 34 days right after the election, with the most coming the day after the election. That don't make a lick of sense, boy. What? That's crazy yeah. how all of that is happening. Yeah, it, it is. It is and crazy. And it continues. Yeah. All we need is love, people. We need to bring people together. Hate. You on that kumbaya shit. I mean, I think it's cute. Don't get me wrong, because you be all into that. I respect it, honey. Seriously, you can't... I respect it. You can't fight hate and division with more division. No, you can't. But look who we got in office. But at the end of the day, I just think, especially with issues like race, which is a very big... Matter of fact, it's a hot topic all over the world. But for us being African-Americans living in the United States, at the end of the day... I don't think we can make it us versus them. It has to be like the people against racism. So white, black, Asian, whatever, it doesn't matter. We got to come together. Oh, you cute. But also I think in terms of the hate crimes, that's why they increase in, you know, Trump's slogan coming into this Make America Great Again. And to me, that's like a disgrace because it's like when you say make America great again, what do you mean? Let's make black people slaves again? Let's lynch and hang them? Because like that's when, you know, like the climate of where America was picking kind and now. So it's like, what do you mean by make it great again? At what point was it ever great? Hence why we're trying to progress and move forward and change laws um, in general, whether it's on a state level or throughout. So to me, when you make a comment like that, he wrote his whole slogan. I remember I seen a dude on a train, this old white dude with that hat on. I was like, oh my God, it took everything in me not to slap it off his head. And I was like, are you serious? And this other dude was looking at him like, really? And I was just like, whatever. Like the fact that you could be, and then you have that. You have people like him, that old white man on the train, bold enough to wear a hat like that in New York City. You fancy, boo-boo. And then on top of that, 
you have these acts, these hateful crimes that happens throughout, and it's really sad. And it's I feel like people people like that they feel like it's their time. It's like our leader is in office, and he's given us the permission to go out and do these things by the way he acts, by the things he says, and his actions whether it's on social media or in general. And it's like, it makes people feel comfortable enough to continue down this path and kind of just promote hate crime. And I think it's really unfortunate. And I don't want to belittle what you said and be funny. You are right. We should all come together and love conquers all. But unfortunately, we all don't think like that. We're all not on the same page. And I do wish we were because we have a country have been through so much. We have gone through so much and we still are. There's certain groups in this country that are still oppressed. They're still marginalized. And there's no such thing as equality. It's equality, but it's not fully equal. And I think that I would love for us to all like love one another, have some level of respect for each other, but that's not where we're at. And I would hope sometime soon, maybe after his presidency, we can rebuild that and try to have that within this country so that it would be less form of hate crime. Yeah. Because it's not only just us as to where we're at as millennials, but you know, I always bring it back to the younger generation, how they watch and they observe as to what's happening and think, their actions are okay onto someone else. How are you going to tell a child not to be a bully and a president is a bully? And they're going to be like, he made it into office. He made it into office and he's a bully outright, explicitly, to women, disabled people. Like, he has no form of decorum. So for you to expect a young Ooh, child, I like that he, he word. not take it there, honey. Not Damn. Take it there. Okay, I see you. You tell a younger child, don't be a bully, but this is what they see as an example. You know, Obama represented hope, change. I don't know what Trump represents. And I'm not even trying to figure it out at this point. You know what? I'm putting it in right now. 2050, I'm running for president. And I'm running on Love Conquers All. I'll see you guys at the election day. You're going to have one vote. <laughs> You're a hater. I'm just saying. I'm going to make you my, my vice president. But now, you're out. That's fine. It is what it does. I'm bringing Hillary in. Good <laughs> <laughs> luck with that one. Wheel, wheel her into the office. Are you going to send her an email or not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Um, so, I just want to ask you, though, before we even switch gears, are you going to um, boycott the NFL? Because we know you into football. I'm not into football. Like, I'm into the basketball. Speaking of game five, is tonight, so check it out, y'all. Um, to be honest, I'm... Not going to be boycotting the NFL. Okay. But. I'm, okay. Okay. I'm. But the no. thing is, but this it's is the right. thing. I got a caveat that with, I really don't watch football like that. Like I, I watch the playoffs, but. So it should be like for you to boycott it then, if you don't watch it like that. To be honest, I really, I, really. Oh. Ooh. Damn. Did I hit a spot there? Are you, you look are like you, you're scared. Are you, are you boycotting? Bane is popping out. It's hot. No, it ain't hot. No, because I... Nah, it ain't hot. That vein always pops when I'm around No, here. don't play with me. I don't play with me. You're not boycotting this drink. Why won't you boycott football? If you don't watch it like that, what's the big deal? And you got all the feels from reading Sean King's article. Are you boycotting? I don't watch it like that, but I don't mind to boycott it. Uh, to, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I, I would because it's not a big deal to me. And I think the way... He is being handled with him. It kind of just sets the tone of how the NFL is. And that's just not something I want to promote. That's just me. We all can't be a Kiana now, can we? <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> all right. Um, you know what? Now you're thinking about boycotting. I like it. See? 
I really don't watch it anyway. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Yes, we definitely are moving on. So, as we know, Kendrick Lamar's sister graduated high school and he bought her 2017 Toyota Camry. Now, I think that's a good gift. I think that's a, an excellent gift, to be quite frank. Well, there was a bit of an issue. Apparently, all hell broke loose on Twitter and social media. There were some people who thought it was a great gift. It was a sensible gift. Um, and there were others that thought that she should have received a better car, like a Lamborghini or a Benz or something of that sort. Also, because Kendrick Lamar is worth about $18 million. And the car, but the car costs about 23000 essentially. And... I just think it was like, really? Like, this is a thing? Like, y'all really gonna go back and forth about the fact that she got a Toyota Camry for her graduation? I Like, there are people who graduated high school and got a round of applause in a card. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so the fact that you got a car, a Toyota Camry, 2017, so it's an updated version at that. Probably new, of course. And it's like, oh, she didn't get a Lamborghini and a Benz. Like, are you serious? And then... It's like stuff like that I was kind of bothered by because I was just like, first of all, it's his sister's not your sister, so why does it even matter? Facts. And secondly, it's his money. It's not your money, so why does it even matter? Facts. So I just did not understand why people was all in their feelings. And then these be the same people that's running their mouth saying, oh, you should have bought this and that. But when he go dead broke for spending off all his money and buying Lamborghinis here and Ben's here, and he on the street begging for quarters, then what? <laughs> oh, you don't know. You're gullible with your money. You didn't handle your money appropriately. Why do he need to buy a, a, his sister who graduated high school a Benz and a Lamborghini? Even Melissa Ford drives a Honda Accord. I mean, come on. Keep it on it. <laughs> I don't know why you know that. But you know what? That ain't none of my business. With that, that ain't my like, ministry. It's a song. It's a song. Shout out <laughs> to, the, to the hip-hop heads out there. They know what I'm talking about. Whatever. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's stupid that people have made this a thing. At the end of the day, this is the Be Humble artist. So... <laughs> Like, he basically is showing that in real life. And it's a 2017 brand new car. Paid off cash that you get to ride for free. I think anyone would be happy with a current year model of a new car. And especially right out of high school. Like, she's lit. She's more than lit. And I just think it's, I think it's great when, um, you know, people graduate high school and they are being honored for the athlete and stuff like that. I do think within this newer generation, you know, it's expected to get a car or it would be nice to have one. But, you know, that doesn't, not everybody comes from those situations. And for those who, you graduate high school, you got a car and a round of applause, take that and be humble with it. You know what I'm saying? Not everybody walking out with getting cars. So, to me, I just don't understand how people find the time and the, to feed into that and say, oh, they should, she was deserving of X, Y, Z. And my question to you is, are you buying it? Are you paying for it? Mind your business. <laughs> so it shouldn't matter to you. Just just mind your business. <laughs> just, just mind your business. <laughs> On that note, we about to head out. Thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate all the support. Yes, thank you again for tuning in, guys. Please, as always, follow us on Instagram at underscore unapologetically underscore different. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at unapologetic two underscores D. 
You can also send us an email at unapologeticallydifferent at gmail.com. And you can search for us on iTunes by searching for Unapologetically Different. Definitely hit that subscribe button. Leave a review and a rating. We really appreciate it. Stay tuned for our next episode, guys. Bye.